Hey, welcome to Following Our Future, the podcast for dads. I'm Anthony Vandegrift, and I'm not the perfect dad, but every day I am trying to be better. I have a very special guest for you today. He is a pastor at my local church. He's someone that I've had the privilege of working alongside. Uh, I got the good Johnny Hargrove with me today. How you doing, Johnny? Doing awesome, Anthony. Good. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're telling your story today. Uh, I know it's going to be a tremendous point of hope for a lot of dads. It's going to be uh, encouraging and inspirational. You have a fantastic testimony, uh, and that's what he's going to share with us today. So what we're really trying to convey in this whether you're a Christian or not, maybe you're on the uh, fence about Christianity, what what his story, what his testimony shares, at least in my mind, is that not only can God help you, but God wants to help you. God will help you be a better father. Uh, and as a Christian myself, I have a hard time even seeing how in the world can I be a dad without having God right in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so... We're gonna we're gonna dive into your story a little bit, and I, I think I think we're gonna have a lot of dads who are blessed by this. But um, let's let's start here with your testimony. Let's let's start from the point of you get married. What's your life look like? Are you are you in church? Are you living for God? What's it look like? The amazing thing that I bring to the table today, Anthony, is today is Nancy and my 37th anniversary. Well, happy anniversary. (laughs) November 4th uh, is when our marriage journey starts. And so I start off, number one, with uh, a brand new arena of life, having no clue what I'm stepping into. (laughs) And when I step into this marriage journey, I step into it with a brokenness and the brokenness that I stepped into it was a drug addiction. Mm. And as I started that journey, I had no clue of the huge storm that was coming into my life. But I I soon discovered that I had entered into a storm that was way, way bigger than me. And that storm that I entered into, it it was it was devastating. Mm. And um, I struggled with an addiction for, for almost 12 years. Wow. And so, uh, how, how long was that addiction in the process before you got married? Really it was, and it was already, it was already unfolded. Mm. My wife and I, we were smoking marijuana together. She introduced me to marijuana, <laughs> and then a young girl that we went to school with, hmm. we used to all party together, and this friend of mine that we went to school with, she introduced me to a drug called meth, hmm. and that that gateway was the one that ultimately led me down the pathway of really ultimate destruction. Wow. Wow. So you're married, and you're hooked on... A number of drugs. Yes. Um, when did you have kids? How long after you were married did you start having kids? My story is very unique concerning that also, Anthony, is my wife was already six months pregnant okay. 
when we got married. Okay. Um, my wife, for a number of years, felt like the only reason that I did marry her was because I had got her pregnant. I see. Needless to say, I conveyed to her that I did not have to make that decision to take that covenant. Sure. But I, I married her because I loved her. Right. And needless to say, that is shown 37 yeah, years later. 37 years later, you're still, still <laughs> That love it. is still radically alive and definitely love her way more today than I did sure. 37 years ago. But um, so I, I entered it with, um, you know, yeah. it, the, the addiction wasn't that bad at that time, mm. but it definitely uh, was quickly headed that way. I see. So is it safe to say that? Everything kind of started around the time you and your wife are, I guess, dating, getting ready to get married and all that stuff? Yes. Okay. So so 12 years into the marriage is how long the addictions carried on. Yes, sir. From 85 till 1994. Okay. Wow. All right. So you get married. You've got a child soon to come into your life. You're hooked on stuff that's probably not the best for you. Mentally, where are you at? I mean, do you, I I don't know what it's like to have the addiction. So mentally, are you aware of I'm married? I'm a husband. I've got responsibility. I've got a kid coming. Did you really, I mean, I don't think any dad really ever fathoms (laughs) what they're getting ready to get into when they have a child, but what was that like for you? I mean, was there awareness of it at all? Did you know it was coming, or was it always just back of mind type thing? Yeah, I would say, Anthony, that there definitely was an awareness. Okay. Being 21 years of age, there's really not that awareness sure. that can be fully aware right. of the huge responsibility that I've stepped into. But I was aware that there was a major change coming into our life, but because I was so driven by the selfishness of an addiction, it was all about Johnny. Yeah. And that's the thing that so many people don't understand when you open yourself up to addictions, that that spirit of that addiction grabs a hold of you, you become a prisoner to it. Mm. So even though you are mentally aware, the drug effect of whatever the drug choice that you're involved in, it's greater than that awareness that you need to be aware of. Mm. And so that addiction it it becomes the the ultimate voice of direction in your life but you're 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 bound by selfishness and so i realized it to a degree the the radical change that was coming into our lives and thankfully i i faithfully provided for our family um needless to say when you got an addiction as strong as mine was money was always an issue sure sure yeah, I, that's typically what accommodates that story because, yeah, you're taking care of things that you have to take care of, but at the same time, generally it works out to where you're also wasting a lot in order to fuel that addiction that you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Okay, so before we jump into you actually becoming a dad and having kids, so at this point you are married. You're three months out from being a father. You're getting hooked on things, building some addictions. Before that, 
what what was it like growing up? What what was your life like then? Was there anything that you know were, were you always in a sense almost destined to be in that path? Um, did you grow up around that, or what was what was it like growing up as a kid? I think that's what's so unique about my story, Anthony, is that really looking at my upbringing, my childhood, my early childhood days, my youth, everything was pointing me really to the direction where I'm at right now in my life. Mm. Everything was pointing me towards a kingdom purpose. I spent 12 years in a private Christian school, graduated from an incredible Christian school program, um, had taken skills to learn business uh, skills. Mm -hmm. So everything was pointing me towards what I felt like was ministry, and I contribute some of my dysfunction to the unstable church connection that I grew up in. But as far as my um, direction from a child, I couldn't have asked for a better home. Mm. Incredible mom, incredible dad. I felt like I was mentored and definitely cross-like ways, very stable home life. Great mom and dad. Um, they were married 56 years. Wow. And so everything that I grew up with wasn't pointing me towards that ultimate destruction. So I, I say ultimately, it, it went back to the dysfunction of the church leadership sure. that, that I grew up with. Sure. Okay. So church leadership causes some point of contention and then... Through just a series of events, you happen to get hooked and introduced to some other drugs, and one thing leads to another, and now you're an addict. And so at this point, while you grew up with God being the center point of your life, now you're married, you're three months out from being a dad, you're starting to form these addictions that are unhealthy for you and for your family, there's a part of your story that I want you to tell because you told it recently here at church. Uh, it's, it's powerful. It's powerful for me knowing where you are now. Okay, you, you, You're a pastor. You serve people all the time. You are gifted when it comes to forming relationships with people. People call you all the time to talk to you. If they have a problem, probably more than any other person here at this church, they they tend to reach out to you. They talk to you. You you just you have this ability to almost instantly form trust with people, um, and that is that is it's wisdom. I mean, it's even what the Bible says. You know, winning souls, creating these friendships. You're wise if you can do it. So you you, you definitely have this gifting, and so to see where you are now and to see where you were. It's it's incredible to see, you know, just how much God is able to do. But take us to the point of your wife goes into labor with your first child and all the way to the point where your daughter comes home. What was that like? You know, Anthony, that it definitely <clears throat> was a radical life-changing moment for me, but the the brokenness that I was walking in was was just so captivating to me. And the brokenness that I'm referencing was 
the day that they brought my baby girl home, I was hanging out with some buddies, and they had got a hold of a drug that's called uh, plastic acid, and uh, it was triple dip acid. And I had taken this acid, which is LSD, Mm -hmm. and I went on a a 12-hour trip, and when my wife brings my daughter in from after having the baby, she brings her into the home, and... When I see my baby girl walk into the house, I was so messed up that I I could not really process mm. the beautiful life transforming gift that God had just imparted to me. Sure. And but that's how that's how strong that addiction of selfishness had a hold of me. Yeah. Wow. So what is what was it? What was it like early on? Um, you didn't really, you didn't really fathom or take in and process what happened uh, immediately. But shortly thereafter, was there kind of a sense of, okay, I'm a dad now? Like, did that ever settle in? You know what? It did start settling in, Anthony. And as I've shared with you, some of my story is God had brought me to a place of where he began to make me scared of doing drugs. Okay. God had touched my health physically and so God had fixed it where I was I'd got to the point that I was literally scared to get high. Mm. I was afraid that it was that it was literally going to kill me because by that time I'd already OD'd three times. Wow. And so God used his unique ability to put fear in me to help me begin to understand that I needed to have some changes in my life and still not fully fully aware of the radical change that God was bringing into my life. But I, I was aware when Karen came into our home that, that God definitely was giving me something that was preparing me for the biggest change that I could not even begin to fathom how radically powerful this this gift God wow. gift that God had blessed me with. So that, so this, this awareness of you know I need to stop because you know OD and three times, and just being aware of the health impact that the addiction had on you. This this so this carried on past baby number one though. This yes. carried on through. You have four kids total. Yes. So was this. Through all four of them, three of them, how long did it carry on? Yes, it, it went definitely the two oldest ones, Karen and Drew, um, but even with Amy and Heather, it carried on mm-hmm. probably till they were three, four years age, the youngest okay. one. But God had helped me to understand I thought I was hiding some things, mm-hmm. but you don't hide things from kids. Sure. <laughs> uh, they they were aware that something was going on. Right. But thankfully, I'd reached a point in my life where it had slowed way, way down. Okay. Um, and so by the time that Heather was born, all the hard drugs, they had came to a stop. Every now okay. and then, I would still, still get high. Sure. Um, wouldn't necessarily always... Um, toke on it, yeah. but would 
be around it where there was enough smoke that I could get sure. high off of the smoke. Right. And then things begin to change me driving a truck for a living. Um, the regulations that the federal government has started implementing, companies started doing company-wide drug tests. Uh. And so God began to use that <laughs> to sober yeah. me up. Yeah. And so it was just those 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 God moments, those, sure. that, that, that God factor that he began to unfold, even though I I didn't really were really wasn't aware of what God was doing. Sure, but God was unfolding a master plan that eventually would radically awaken me. Sure. So, over the course of you and your wife having your four kids, yeah, you're struggling with the addiction, but you're gradually kind of overcoming it in a sense because uh, the health scares, uh, the issues with work. At least you know you're in a you're you're in a good enough place to where you recognize I still have to provide for my family. Yes. So, you know what you mentioned earlier was this huge you know it's it's selfishness right this addiction, but some of that started to dwindle away over time. It seems like where you're becoming a little more selfless, saying like I can't keep doing what I'm doing because I have to make money. I've got to provide for the family. So you start to you stop doing some of the risky business over time. Uh, but what's, what's the turning point for you? I mean, so you still had kids and you, you know, still had your struggles, but what was it that just complete 180 new direction? What did it for you? This is the most powerful portion of, of my story that I love sharing, Anthony. The, the radical turning point was August 24th, 1994, 2 p.m., on a Thursday afternoon in a little concrete truck stop parking lot. Mm. God sent a man to me. I look back on that day, and I've often wondered, was that an angel that came to me, Mm. or or was it a, a human being? Whatever it was, it was a messenger from God that brought a message of hope to me. The gentleman began to share with me, that God had hope for me and that God had a purpose for me. And being raised in a God-fearing home, I began to recognize something unique was unfolding, still clueless of how dynamic the event that was unfolding, how powerful it was getting ready to transform me. But that gentleman, I'll never forget, he asked me one question. He said, do you mind if I pray for you? And when he asked me that question, Anthony, I still was not prepared for the supernatural miracle that was getting ready to unfold in my life. Mm -hmm. But out of respect, when he asked if he could pray for me, I stood up. And when I stood up in that parking lot, when that gentleman laid hands on me, my hands went instantly up in the air. And when my hands went up in the air, there was something supernatural that began to flow out of my mouth. Me being raised around Pentecost in an apostolic home, I began to recognize God was filling me with the Book of Acts experience. And I began to recognize and hear myself, I'm speaking in other tongues. And as I begin to speak in other tongues, this power of God's Spirit just hits me, and it lays me back on the ground, and I'm slain in the Spirit for two hours. Wow. At 4 p.m., I come back to my senses. And as I come back to my senses, I'm still not aware of the radical 
transformation that came into my life. Sure. As I'm making my way back to the terminal, driving a truck in traffic, you you experience a, a lot of challenging things. <laughs> and I begin to discover normal things that would just really just rile me up. There's this peace wow. that has just flooded my life. And over the next several days, weeks, I begin to recognize something supernatural had filled my life. And I begin to discover I had no desire to go to the clubs. Wow. Alcohol had left had left the the craving for alcohol had left my life. I wasn't craving marijuana. Um, I'd already quit craving meth. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was this peace and this joy that just flooded my life. Wow. And uh, I still was clueless of the miracle that it imparted to me. But over the next several months and definitely years, I began to understand that God, I call it another Damascus Road experience. Sure. And I began to understand that God had instantly transformed me and had given me a purpose and a calling. And, and my life is still being impacted wow. from that August 24th moment. Wow. That's an incredible story. Well, <laughs> let me just ask you this. What was it like coming to all of a sudden and realizing that you'd just been, I guess, laying on the ground for two hours? You know, Anthony, I, I reflect many, many times on that, and I don't know if I can put it into words. Mm. Um, the Scripture talks about this experience that is that is joy, unspeakable, and full of glory. I literally begin to experience that, and wow. I know this is sounds probably crazy to a lot of folks, but my wife witnessed it for, for two solid years after that August event, I would have to be carried out of the church house because I was literally drunk in the spirit. Um, so <clears throat> that that encounter with God, it just radically transformed me. But now looking back on it, I begin to understand God gave me something so unique. You you commented on early, earlier how God has given me that ability to connect with people. Mm-hmm. God, I believe, imparted something to me from that individual that came to me. He had a gift. He used it. I believe God used him to impart to me. And I know ultimately God is the source, but God uses people to impart, to mentor, to help us to take these God steps. And and so to say that I could understand it, comprehend it, um, it was just – it was – it was just mind-boggling to me. Wow. And so um, it took me several months, even years, to begin to wrap my mind around that radical miracle that God gave to me. Wow, that's awesome. So let's skip ahead a little bit beyond this this miraculous encounter that you had. It's changed, it's changed who you are. Okay, so the drugs are out of the picture. It's changed your perspective on everything. Uh, you've got more peace. Uh, you've got this greater hunger for God, and that grows. But at this point, you've got all four of your kids. What was it? What was your? What was your? You don't have to get into details, but your fathering style. Did that have any impact on? how you disciplined, how you raised, how you spoke, how you fathered your children. 
Anthony, that radically transformed everything in my life. Uh, so instead of me being a strong disciplinarian as far as everything, um, when my children prior to that, when they would act up, mm-hmm. the only thing I knew to do is, is wear their tail ends out sure. with a belt. But when I began to understand this mercy that God had given me, this transformation that God had given me, yes, there were times I still would uh, use the belt, sure. but I began to understand that communication is everything. And so I began to know how to set my child down and began to just pour my heart out to them and share with them is that there there are consequences, but learning how to help them to understand the right way to process life and and just communicate. Yeah. And when God began to communicate with me and help me know how to communicate with him, that's what began to really transform me as a father and began to help me understand that I can make greater strides and helping someone to really understand what I'm wanting them to understand by taking the time to reason with them and share with them step by step. This this is what daddy's wanting you to do. Yeah. Just as the the daddy of all daddies, sure. the God of creation, takes time to speak to us. Wow. So you still let me ask you, were you the were you the perfect dad after that happened? No, sir, Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I I think that's a hard thing that Christians often put on themselves, whether whether they have time away like you had, or whether like me, I've never done anything drug related. I've always tried to go to church to the best of my ability. I think there's almost this pressure, like you know, well, we claim to be people of the King, and we're we're children of God, so we almost hold ourselves to the standard of you know, we can't do anything wrong. But we often forget that there's a lot of grace that we get all the time because we always exactly. do a lot of wrong. Exactly. Um, so, for for me, I remember just thinking, you know, I'm a Christian, I'm a father, I got to be perfect, and it, it's it's unattainable. That's not what we're supposed to be. Um, so it's it's nice to hear that even after your miracle, which I've never had something like that happen that you still weren't perfect. <laughs> you're still flawed and you're still needing God's grace. Now you talked about this this change that happened with how you fathered your children and how there was more communication. So there's something really neat and I shared it with you before we started this discussion. What I find so fascinating about your story as it relates to you as a father is you know, you are tripped out on LSD when your first child comes home and you can't even fathom what's really taken place. Fast forward to you today, all your kids are grown up and they're all out of the home, but I've had the opportunity to work with you in, in different ways. And there's almost not a time where I'm with you that your phone doesn't ring and it's, one of your kids calling you. I mean, usually you get a call from a couple of them every time I'm with you. Sometimes they have questions. Sometimes they just want to shoot the breeze. They value your feedback and your opinion. Sometimes they're just calling to check in and see how you're doing. So you've gone from this, what anyone would probably look at and be like, well, that, that's not a good father 
right? You're, you're tripped out, you're addicted, and you've got kids, but you're worried about yourself. Most people would probably say, that doesn't look like a good dad. Mm-hmm. But here you are today, and you've nurtured relationships with all of your kids to where they all value you, and they want to hear from you, even if it's on little things, even if it's just, I know your oldest has FaceTimed multiple times just so you can talk to the grandkids, because they want the grandkids to talk to you, because yes. you've established relationships with with them as well. So you talked about the communication thing, and I want to say that this is probably what it was, and you can add to it or tell me if I'm wrong, but was this shift in how you handled your children? This, let me communicate to you more and talk to you more rather than just wear you out with the belt because you you acted like a kid. Do you think that is what nurtured this relationship to where your kids want to almost reciprocate that and then communicate back to you? I would say a thousand percent yes, Anthony. I, I believe that if fathers can hear anything out of this this podcast today, is understand this. I believe that everything went back to that God order that God put back in my life. The way that God designed it is loving God and loving man. Mm. And God began to put things back in the right perspectives. And when I begin to love Him and seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, that's when that miracle filled my family and and I was always transparent with my children. I, I didn't hide things from them. That maybe some people consider a weakness is some things you don't be transparent with your children, but I've always been transparent with everything. So I think me just being real with my children, letting them know my brokenness, letting them know the struggles that I walked with and how God radically transformed me. But I think ultimately the reason that my children and I have kept this relationship so alive is it's God-centered. It's, sure. it's, it's filled with love, Anthony. It's filled with uh, them knowing that it's a safe place. They can come talk to Daddy yeah. because they know Daddy's not going to judge them. Daddy's going to love them. I'm going to speak truth to them, sure. but I'm going to love them. And so they, they love communicate with me because they know that I'm an agent of hope, Anthony. Yeah. And, wow. and I believe in them regardless, even when they crash, even when they, they fall down. The thing that I have strived to live to my children is that, as you said, we're, we're not perfect people. We're not perfect parents. Um, as we always tell to every parent, we need to get a handbook with any of them. And so we we learn from our past mistakes. And so I've tried to help my children know that daddy loves you, period. Yeah. And and I believe in you. But I believe in you enough that I'm, I'm going to tell you at times when you need to hear certain things. Sure. But ultimately, just being real with them, Anthony, I think that's I think that's where fathers at times struggle is. That vulnerability. Is, yeah. It's just saying, hey, you know, this is where daddy struggled. Yeah. But, you know, there's hope. Look, look, at, look at my story. Yeah. God is a God of redemption. Yeah. God's a God of invitation. Wow. And God says, I set before you an open door. And if you walk through it, there are blessings that will that will flood your lives. I think that's such a powerful thing when you are open and vulnerable. And it's I don't even know that it's just dads. I think it's just men in general. We like mm-hmm. we like to guard things. We don't we have this 
this almost innate pride of, you know, we're a man, we're masculine, we don't need help, we can do it. I think that's innate in almost all of us. It's just a part of masculinity. But when you opened up to your kids and you and, and you say, look, I struggled with this and I messed up here and I did that, I, th- I think that that's a, an incredible thing that all dads need to do with your kids because your kids don't need to think that you're perfect. It would be one thing for your kids to grow mm-hmm. up and here you are in ministry and you're a pastor and you're helping people and you're guiding people. And from that perspective and on that platform, you can look flawless. You can look like you've got it all together and you've got mm-hmm. it all figured out. And that's why you get to speak into other people's lives. But that's not the case. And it really never is the case. Correct. Um, and to open up and say, look, you know, I'm only here because I was so broken and God did so much. It's not because I'm great. It's not because I'm good. It's because exactly. God was so good to me. And if God was good to me and my brokenness, you can talk to me because I'll I'll let you know that God can be good to you and your brokenness too. Um, it's a really hard thing for dads to do. And I, I, I clearly your story shows that being open, being vulnerable, but what can't be absent in any of that is the love factor. Exactly. When, when, when you're, when you're being open, you're, you're not, you're not being open for any other reason other than I'm trying to express in a way that I love you. Like I am broken and I messed up and I want you to know this because I'm going to be there for you when you are broken. And when you mess up, I'm not going to judge you. Like you talked about, I'm going to love you. Okay. This is what God's done for me. I've loved God. And often how it works is when you get the relationship with God, it's really easy to get the relationship with your fellow man. So, uh, yeah, com- communicating that. I mean, communication is a broad topic, but communicating that, the vulnerability and doing it laced with love, uh, I, th- I think that, that, like you said, it's a takeaway that all of us as dads need to take to heart. Uh, and, and to and to see it so vividly uh, lived out in your life, I mean, you are the you're the textbook. Don't be this dad, but now people would look at you and be like, "Hey, be like Johnny. <laughs> like Johnny's doing a great job." Because not everyone has kids who want to call him every day. Some people, you know, their kids move out and they see him on the holidays, but that's that's not what you've set up. And all your kids don't live close, but they still reach out and they still talk. And that's, that's been a powerful thing. Now I've got another follow-up question for all of this. Um, I'll ask it in just a moment. Is there anything else about your story that you'd like to contribute or add? I think the main thing that I would add to everything that we've said, Anthony is, is I think the biggest thing for us as fathers mentors is we quote the scripture a lot don't be weary and well doing but as being a dad being a father it's easy to get weary oh sure and but if we can keep our eyes upon the ultimate end game and the older i've gotten now that i'm definitely father grandfather <laughs> the biggest thing that i have learned to continue to do Anthony every day is is I, I look through the lenses of eternity mm. and 
I'm not living in just today. I know I'm taking one day at a time, but ultimately, as I live out each day, I'm still looking through eternal lenses. And that is something that did not start until I confess recently. But that's been a game changer for me Hmm. is I think if fathers can begin to understand this thing so much bigger than us, but if we can look to the right source and look through eternal lenses, it's, it's a game changer. I was going to ask you a question that I think you just answered. I was going to ask for a takeaway that you'd give to fathers. Let me ask you another question, and then this is how we'll wrap up. What would you say to men and to dads who find themselves in a similar place where you were? Not really involved with God, but you were just caught up in what you were doing. What would you, what would you speak to them? The biggest thing that I would speak to them, Anthony, is is never give up hope. Even in the middle of addiction, whatever that addiction is, is never give up hope. And because God has a plan for each and every one of us. But when we're so broken, we can't we can't see that. Mm-hmm. But God will some way, somehow keep that hope alive. And and so even even when days that I didn't really realize how bound I was. God, some way, somehow, I believe ultimately, going back to Karen, to every father, God will put something in in your life. If you'll start being open to it, you'll begin to see God has a reason that He's placing whatever it is in your life. But for me, other than Nancy, it was Karen. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, but ne- never give up hope. And um, even even when your brokenness is so deep, keep moving forward because deliverance will come. Sure, sure. However, that deliverance looks, it ultimately will come. We right. know ultimately it comes through God. Right. God is the ultimate message of redemption. Right. Um, but just keep moving forward. So we were talking about all of this under the umbrella of God can and God will help you be a better dad. And I think in your story, God can and God did help you become a better father. And so my podcast is not necessarily geared toward converting people to Christianity and getting them to say, Lord Jesus, (laughs) you're going to be my savior. Uh, But I think today that's, that's, a little bit of the point. Um, we can't really do this thing by ourselves. Correct. You got to have a community. But even having a community, if you don't have God, I mean, He's the majority. Is that so? Um, what I what I hope and what I, what I what I feel will happen from today is other dads listening to your story, hearing your place of addiction that you came from, seeing. Everyone might not have the same miraculous experience that you have. They, they might not, you know, be just slain for two hours and then finally come to their senses and not really be able to fathom what took place. Everyone's experience is going to look different, but everyone can still have an experience with God. And that experience can change the course of your life. And... That's what I hope dads take with them, even Christian dads, because there's plenty of people who say, I'm a Christian, but, yes. you know, they they struggle. 
We all do. We all have. We all yes, have sir. our struggles. We're not perfect. Not not just talking about us as fathers, as men, as people. We're all broken. So what I hope what I hope people take away today is that God can, and God will help them be better fathers. And thanks for sharing your story. Thanks for making that abundantly clear, given the experience and the testament that, yeah, this is exactly what God will do, and God wants to do it too. Exactly. All right. Well, thank you so much for being with me. Um, I appreciate your story. It's always it's always phenomenal to hear that, to hear of this just total shift. There's there's no way anyone would look at that story if they were reading a book and think, this is how it's going to end up. But God's done quite the work in your life, and God can do that same work in your life too. If you're listening today, God is no respecter of persons, and exactly. He is open to help anybody and everybody. And if you are struggling as a father and as a man, God can help you too. This is Father in Our Future, the podcast for dads. I'm Anthony Vandegrift. Thank you so much for being with me, and I hope you will join me next time.